0: Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host,
1: Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. It's a beautiful day here in Phoenix, Arizona. And we have an announcement: Hope FM ninety point one in the southern tip of the United Kingdom is now airing our show. Uh, it is it airs in the cities of Bournemouth, Pool, and Christchurch, and beyond that. So I want to welcome our listeners who are turning in from the United Kingdom, as well as those in our home turf of Arizona and Las Vegas, and on the podcast and. And so it's fun to be able to to be able to speak to God's people uh, in the UK. And so, for those of you who don't know who we are, Blazing Grace is an international ministry to persons who struggle with porn addiction and adultery. And I've written eight books. We have phone courses and phone counseling counseling courses, also in the office here in Arizona. Uh, we have wives' groups, men's groups. We have prayer groups. And these are not just in the U.S. We have people who participate in Europe, South America, um, along the Pacific Rim, meaning, um, um, the, uh, for example, the guy who leads our forums is from Japan. and So it's really an international ministry and it's an international problem. Uh, porn addiction – For pornography use, the U.S. is the number one producer and consumer of pornography in the world. To our shame, I say that. And unfortunately, the church is one of its biggest customers. So, hotel management, or I should say, managers of hotels, they report that when Christian conventions come to town, their rentals of porn videos shoot up. And then as we've discussed before, in the US, two thirds of Christian men from the surveys are reported to be viewing porn and that's that's the adults, that's not youth. Youth's even more, it's higher, it's into the seventies, including youth pastors. Thirty percent of Christian women viewing porn on a consistent basis. Sexting is a big problem. It just came out one survey that half of Christians Christian youth think there is no problem with premarital sex. So there is a huge and enormous problem where the church is totally missing the boat with this issue. And then how about the UK? Um, One survey showed that 74% of Christian men are viewing pornography. And so the numbers are similar to those in the U.S., a little higher. But we never know who's being honest in these surveys. And, and, um, you know, in youth surveys, everywhere – Um, Just about, you know, just about everyone in the 90s, um, young people have been exposed to pornography in an early age. And I can tell you that the average age of somebody who comes to us for help when they got first hooked on porn is eight. And then they wait, they get hooked on it, they get married, they come to us for help in their 40s, 50s and 60s. When they're married and then their marriage blows up and their families traumatized, and they're going through all this strife. and So that's part of what we do. And for those of you in the UK and even in Europe who are listening, we have office, an office in Europe right now in Italy where we ship the books out of. And as I said, we do our phone groups with participants in the UK and Europe. So uh, contact us if you need help or go to blazinggrace.org. That's the website And you'll learn a lot about who we are. There's a lot of videos, a lot of content up there for men and wives. And we put as much emphasis on the wife as we do on the man because the wife usually gets left out of this issue. And if the wife doesn't heal, the marriage will not recover. So we put an equal emphasis on both. This is a ministry to the man, the husband, and his wife. And unfortunately, most people who come for help are married. Um, there are a growing number of people who come to help for us that are in their youth, but that's, that's not the rule. Usually it's the exception. And so that's who we are. I also want to mention we have a prayer group by Zoom call at 9 a.m. U.S. Central Time. And we have people from, again, the U.K. and Europe and the U.S. and Canada who participate in that call, and it's a Zoom call, so it's free. That would be um, seven hours ahead of us, so 9 a.m. You're talking about 4 p.m., I believe, London time. And so those of you who are in the United Kingdom, you want to participate in the prayer call, I'd encourage you to. The people who are involved in these prayer groups, they love them. And there's a strong bond that forms, and we spend an hour in prayer. And I think right now between 10 and 15 are showing up every week, men and women. It's not a porn support group. It's a prayer group where you're praying as the Spirit leads. And it's really a beautiful time together. And I want to encourage you to get involved with that no matter where you are. And so when we look at Scripture, there are two main themes. First, we begin in the book of Genesis where God sets man and woman, Adam and Eve, down in this beautiful paradise. He sets them down in the garden, um, lush green foliage. The fruits and the vegetables there must have just been incredible, sweet and delicious. And they got fresh new bodies, you know, Mister Mister Stud and Miss Beautiful, and they're naked. And but they're not ashamed, which none of us can relate to walking out in public like that. And so they're in paradise, uh, no sin. It shows God's heart for mankind. He didn't send them off into the set, set them down into the Sahara Desert, and say, "Hey, have at it." He provided their needs they're in this beautiful place. <clears throat> so the first main theme in Scripture is love, the love of God shown in visible ways to mankind. And then just a couple chapters into Genesis, Satan comes. Uh, he lies to Eve, basically says, uh, you know, God, you will not surely die, as God said, if you have the forbidden fruit. She eats it. One lie takes the whole human race down into sin. And so the second main theme in Scripture is War. From there, all throughout the whole Bible, what we see is God saying to humanity, I love you, come to me, and Satan trying everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. And you look at Scripture, there's a lot of battles. Uh, there's a lot of tough topics. I mean, there's rape, there's murder, there's killing. There's, um, we get in the book of Job, we see the spiritual battle for Job's soul, basically, um, you know, when he suffers, is Job going to curse God, or is he going to turn against him in anger, or is he going to keep moving toward the Lord? So there's a very—it's very dangerous uh, what happened to Job because it could have destroyed him. When I say destroyed him, I mean destroyed his faith in God that God is is who he is. He is good. In spite of the suffering he lets us go through, and. The reason I'm hitting on this topic of spiritual warfare is because we're coming, we're basically in the Christmas season now. And what we see is that even more than usual, marriages in particular are under assault during this time of the year. We see more strife during the Christmas season. I don't pretend to know anything about the occult calendar, but. Satan seems to work double overtime during the Christmas season just to really screw people into the ground with depression and discouragement and strife and fighting. And so it could be said, Merry Christmas, you're at war. And we can't let that message get forgotten. And part of what we must do is equip God's people to be fighters and to realize um, a number of things. And one is that Husbands and wives, your spouse is not your enemy, and that is a part of Satan's plan: is to try and get you fighting against your spouse as if he is or he or he or he or she is the enemy. And and once he has you two squared off against each other, it can become very easy for you to him to take you right down into a downward spiral and to fighting and strife and discouragement and confusion and all that goes along with that. So today is about really encouraging you and equipping you to realize that there is a spiritual battle that is intense and that it even gets tougher during this time of the year. You know, I think part of what makes it so hard is the shoulds. Families should get along when they get together. Families should look happy. And as soon as I hear the word should out of some people's mouth, usually right behind that are false expectations that are not based in reality. So the reality is we are a church at war, marriage is at war. And there isn't you know, you have to remove the shoulds because every every family is under attack these days. So not every Family get-together is going to be a Norman Norman Rockwell picture. Some of them are going (laughs) to be, you can't wait till they're over with. I'm not saying that to be mean, but I want to kind of ground you in reality a little bit that all of us have fallen flesh. All of us struggle with things like depression, discouragement, And all of us are in an intense spiritual battle. And one thing that the enemy does during this year is, and I used to struggle with this quite a bit during this time of the year. I come from a broken family. Um, My parents divorced in the 80s. And that really messed my head up for a long time. Plus, there was some abuse issues. I was molested by a trusted adult female family member growing up as a teenager. So Christmas used to, I just, Honestly, I couldn't wait till the season was over in the past. Um it, for whatever reason it would it would bring to the surface all those um the wounds of the past would seem to start surfacing a bit during the Christmas time and I I think a part of it is cuz we see those pictures of the family the happy family around the table and the advertisements and everybody smiling cutting and carving a ham and and um that was not what I grew up with. <laughs> Uh, there, was, there was, there was a lot of. Let's just say it was rough. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of it now. And I know there are a lot of you. Mm, your your upbringing wasn't that great either. And this time's like of the year is like rubbing salt in the wound. And what do you think the enemy is going to be doing this time of the year? Everything he can to keep you focused on those wounds, and um, that this is what life is about the lies that he tries to get people to buy into about themselves and about who they are and even about their family and their spouse. So I'm not saying the holidays can't be enjoyed, but what I am saying is there's a lot of people suffering during this time of the year. And so I want to give you some pieces uh, to equip you for the battle you're in. And I also want to encourage church leadership, if any of you are listening Don't just focus on um, the baby in the manger because there's so much more going on than that. And I'll just read some verses from Matthew chapter 2 to kind of make that point um, where it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star... When it rose and had come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And I'm going to skip verse 6. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen where it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. We celebrate this. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, They fell down and worshipped him. And then um, I'm going to skip to verse 13. When they had departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill... weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. Jesus' birth to those mothers and fathers that first Christmas, before it was called a Christmas, saw a lot of you can call it intense spiritual warfare, where the enemy was literally trying to kill Jesus and since he couldn't make that happen, he manipulated Herod into slaughtering innocent children and so the point i'm making here is that when jesus came with all the angels praising god i would say that's an invasion force and when jesus came in his earthly ministry once he began he spent the next three years there were a ton of spiritual battles all the way through and in the dark times that we live in today Where it's getting darker and darker, we must also keep the spiritual battle in focus and on equipping our people, especially this time of the year when it's so difficult and so many are struggling with depression and discouragement and being assaulted in their mind with the lies of the enemy. We must equip them and we must help them during these times. So I'll give you some pieces. couples, you want to be praying together every day. They did a survey some years ago, and they found out the couples who do not pray together divorce the national average one in two or, or one in three, whatever it is. Couples who do, I should say, do not pray together divorce the natural divorce the natural average. Couples who do pray together divorce one out of one thousand and fifty-six. So prayer is a great game changer. Prayer is your most powerful weapon, and you want. As a couple, those of you who are married, you want to be praying together every day, especially during this time of the year. And then each of you, uh, you want to up your prayer game. So Ephesians and Ephesians 6, we know about the, the armor of God. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's from verse 17, and we all know that. And then it says, and this gets left out, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. So we need to up our game with prayer individually. I like to try and spend around an hour a day myself in prayer. Sometimes that gets spread out. I I begin my day with time with the Lord, and at night before I go to sleep, I spend some time in prayer. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes I get woken up by the Holy Spirit in the middle of the night and end up praying at 2 or 3 in the morning. (laughs) But we all have to be prayer warriors these days when, when there's so much going on, there's so much spiritual battle. You need to take up your authority in Christ. Each one of you who are believers have been given Christ's authority over the demonic realm for your domain. So go to Ephesians 2. We are seated with Christ in the heavenlies Above all power and authority, we're giving his his authority. So you have the authority to tell the enemy to leave. So something like, in the name of Jesus, I command any evil spirits coming against me in any way to stop your works and go where Jesus would send you to go. You have the right and the authority to do that. What keeps them coming back is if you're coddling sin and holding on to it, then no matter what you say, I mean, you're giving them ground, so it doesn't work when you're playing with sin. <laughs> and then um, remember who the enemy is, like I mentioned the beginning. Husbands and wives, your spouse is not the enemy. Satan is the enemy and his minions. So you want to be working together to fight against the true enemy. Psalm 91 is the great warfare chapter. So there's times when I'll just pray Psalm 91 out aloud when I'm getting hit. Last night, I slept horrible. I woke up at 1 in the morning. My chest was pounding, and, and you know, I just I was half dead this morning, but <laughs> I knew God was going to show up and give me what I needed, you know, for this radio show. And, and so you have to, um, you know, you have to be ready, as the Bible says, in season and out at any time. And Psalm 91 is a great psalm to pray, and I, do, I pray that from time to time. Um, there's some weeks, there's some months where it's like once a week or sometimes even more. And so praying Scripture is very powerful. And not every battle is fought the same as the Lord has taught me. There have been times when I was in a spiritual battle and I was praying Scripture and nothing was happening and then it wasn't until i got mad and took up my authority in christ that the uh the battle was over and ended there was another time i was getting assaulted and i asked the lord what to do and he just said praise and i was in a public se- it was actually a christmas morning about i think about 2009 um so this is fitting for this show you know i'm with my family and my in-laws, and I'm getting assaulted with all this, these crazy thoughts. And I'm, you know, kind of me piping up and saying, you know what, I'm getting hit right now. Will you pray for me just didn't feel right in a Christmas setting. So I just in my spirit said, Lord, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit just said, just praise me. So I just started praising God quietly in my spirit. And, and then the, it, there was peace and there was quiet and there was calm. And so, you don't want to think that there's a 10 steps to effective uh, winning the battle because, and if you've given this example through scripture, where when the children of Israel were at war and they inquired of the Lord, he would give them a certain way to fight that battle. And when they did what he asked them, they were victorious. When they didn't ask him, they got their butts kicked. Or maybe they would win or be a partial victory. So, uh, the victory in Jericho is a great idea. I mean, uh, that's not exactly warfare one on one right there, walking around, uh, <laughs> walking around a city for seven days. But nonetheless, that's what God had him to do. And sometimes, um, you may ask the Lord, What do I do to win this battle? And he's going to ask you to do something that's just seems crazy to you. It might be one simple little act of obedience. And when you trust him and do as he asked you to do, that'll be something that, that breaks things loose. So you want to walk with God, and that's the way the Christian life should be lived, walking with God on a day-to-day, sometimes even minute-by-minute basis. God, how do you want me to handle this? How do you want me to fight this battle? God, what is going on in my family? What do I need to do, Lord? And so you don't you don't want to rely on necessarily Programs or books. There's so much going on in this in this arena. Although there are certain principles that cannot be violated, like I talked about with, you know, if you're sinning, it, it's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> and then I always want to take you back to we are supposed. Our churches are supposed to be houses of prayer, and prayer. No power, no prayer, no power. So we need to have churches everywhere on their knees, especially during this time when everything is so dark. We need to be on our knees spending a third of our church service times crying out to God, asking God to fight the battles for our countries, for our cities, for our churches, for our families. Prayer is powerful. So thank you for joining me. And uh, let us hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. I love reading your emails. And uh, we'll check in with you next time. Do
0: you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Genung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org, email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.